I think we can all agree that learning is more fun when you do it with friends, right? So if one of your summer goals is to learn more about the science of reading and how to incorporate it into your classroom, then let me invite you to join our free summer book study. During the month of June, we are gonna be hosting a free book study for teachers just like you, where we are gonna work our way through the book, Shifting the Balance, Six Ways to Bring the Science of Reading into Your Upper Elementary Classroom. And we'd love to have you join us. We're gonna read one chapter a week and inside our book study Facebook group, you're gonna get to participate in things like our weekly Facebook Live, discussion posts, you're gonna get some really awesome freebies and the chance to win some stellar prizes. All of this is going to help you align your instruction with the science of reading next year. It's gonna be fun. And even if you don't think you'll have time to read every single chapter, still consider joining. You're gonna get a lot out of the group even if you don't have time to read the entire text. So I hope to see you this summer where we can all learn alongside each other. You can sign up at stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. That's all one word, stellarteacher.com slash bookstudy. And I'll see you inside our group. You're listening to episode number 89 of the Stellar Teacher Podcast. Teaching literacy is tough, but with the right tools, you can be not only good, but great. Amazing. I'm talking off the charts impactful. Hey, I'm Sarah Marie, a literacy specialist with over a decade of experience working as a classroom teacher and school administrator. Tune in each week to this podcast to hear no fluff lesson ideas and strategies that will help you feel confident in your abilities to truly grow your students as readers. Are you ready? Let's dig in. Hey there, and welcome back to another episode of the podcast, and happy 4th of July. I cannot believe how fast this summer is going. I am super excited for this month, though, for a couple of reasons. First of all, we are going to be doing an entire series all about small group instruction. So for the next three weeks, the focus of our podcast is going to be talking about ways to help you be more successful during your small group lessons this next year. And next week, July 11th, the doors to the Stellar Teacher Membership are opening up for enrollment for this upcoming school year. So if you are a third, fourth, or fifth grade teacher who really wants to save time planning your reading lessons this next year, you definitely want to check it out. Like I said, doors open next week. You can go to stellarteacher.com slash membership to learn a little bit more. And I'm sure you'll hear me talk about it on the podcast once the doors are actually open. But today, we are going to be talking all about how to create a plan for small group success. And earlier in the summer, I sent out a survey to the teachers on my email list. I polled my Instagram audience. I asked teachers inside the reading membership what is you know something that they either struggle with or want help with or want to learn more about. And small group instruction was way, way up there on the list. And so then I asked teachers to share, well, what specific questions do you have about small group instruction? And by a long shot, the number one question that I got when it came to small group instruction is, are you ready? What do I do with the rest of my class so I can pull small groups or some variation of this? And so it's not necessarily, you know, what do we do with the students once they're at our tables, but How do we prepare and set up the rest of our class so that I can actually pull small groups and, you know, have small groups happening? So I think this is really such a good question when we're thinking about small groups because 
You know, the reality of it is, unless you have a really solid instructional and engagement plan in place for the rest of your class, your small groups are going to fail. You know, you could have the best small group lesson plan. You could have the most engaging materials. You could have the perfect objectives. You could have ideas on how to differentiate and really meet the individual needs of your students at your small group table. But if the rest of your class is off task, if they are disrupting or disengaged, you know, or if they are not doing anything meaningful during your small group time, then you are really not getting the most out of your small group instructional time. So today we are going to talk about how you can really backwards plan for your small group instructional time, starting with how to engage the rest of your class so that way you can pull small groups and really focus on your small group instruction. So this is really the pre-work that you need to do with your students so you can eventually get to the part where you are pulling small groups. So there are five things, five steps that you can take that are going to help you set up the rest of your class to be independent and successful and engaged so that way you can pull small groups. And the first thing that you really need to think about is coming up with a plan for how much time you want to spend teaching small group lessons and how often you plan on teaching small group lessons. So really, you're going to think about the time and the frequency of your small group instruction. And, you know, basically, you need to figure out how much time during the week are you going to be focusing on small group lessons. And it's important to kind of step back and take this big picture perspective, because before you're going to be able to figure out how to engage the rest of your class, you really have to figure out how much time are you working with So that way you can figure out what is the best structure as well as the best type of assignments to fill that time. You know, if you only have time to pull one small group a day for 15 minutes, your plan for what the rest of your class is going to be doing is going to look very different compared to a teacher who plans on spending 45 minutes every single day and is able to pull three groups. And that plan is going to look very different from a teacher who doesn't even plan on pulling small groups every single day and might only pull groups twice a week. So you really need to get crystal clear on how much time you plan on pulling small groups each day or each week. Because once you know how much time you are working with, it's going to be easy for you to figure out, okay, what can I realistically give my students during this time that is going to be a good use of, you know, their time. They can complete the assignments productively and efficiently, and it's relevant to what we're teaching, and it allows me to pull small groups. So figure out how much time you have. Okay, the next thing you need to do is to actually create a plan for what the rest of your class will be doing. So now that you know how often and how much time you have, this is where you really have to think about what is the rest of my class going to be doing so that I can pull small groups. And first of all, let me just say that there are so many different ways that you can effectively engage the rest of your class while you are pulling small groups. So if you have tried something in the past and it hasn't worked, just know that you have options. And I'm going to share a few of the different ways that you can, you know, set up this time. But if you are like, I've tried it in the past, I cannot get my students to be independent, you just might need to try another structure or a different way to utilize this time. So one of your options is to set up reading centers or workstations. And in case you aren't really sure what that means, I'm just going to kind of break it down a little bit. When you use reading centers or workstations, this is where you would have a variety of literacy-based workstations. You might have a vocabulary station, a word study station, a research station, a poetry station, an independent reading station. And while you are pulling small groups, your students are going to be working through the various stations. So they might be in a group of four or five, and 
when you are meeting with your first small group, they're going to be at their first station. And then when you rotate, they go to their next station and you pull another small group. And so they are literally rotating through different activities while you are pulling small groups. And of course, there's benefits and downsides to all of them. So a benefit of doing reading centers or workstations is that, first of all, your students are going to really stay engaged because they are constantly switching activities and tasks. Another benefit is that you can easily incorporate activities or stations that hit on all five pillars of reading. Or if you remember last month when we talked about the science of reading and really, if we're creating skilled readers, we're focusing on word recognition and language comprehension. Well, you could easily have a workstation that hits on all of those different elements. Again, a benefit is because you're coming up with a variety of stations, it's really easy to expose your students to all of the different literacy skills that are necessary in order to become a skilled reader. Now, the downside of reading centers or workstations is, first of all, it requires a lot of management from the teacher's part. It also requires a lot of planning because you need to make sure that the materials are in place for all of the centers. And centers can also take a long time to get set up and established because really before students can independently do any center or workstation, you really should introduce it and practice it whole group. So it definitely takes some time. Also, sometimes the environment can just be a little bit noisier or chaotic because students are working in groups, they're, you know, moving around. So it's not necessarily as focused or quiet as some of the other options, but it's still a great option. So another thing that you could choose to have students do is engage in independent reading. And this is where your students are going to spend the majority of the time that you are pulling small groups and they are going to be reading independently and they are going to be responding to what it is that they are reading. Oftentimes, students get to choose self-selected books. So maybe they're choosing picture books or chapter books or certain articles. And a lot of times teachers will provide some structure to this time by giving students either, you know, some response questions or some sort of writing about reading task. And so, you know, students are both reading and writing during this time. Now, a benefit of this option is that students are going to build, you know, really strong reading stamina, and they're going to get plenty of time to practice applying the objectives that you're teaching because every day they are reading and writing. Another benefit is that it also creates a really quiet and focused environment for you to pull small groups. So if you are someone who tends to get really distracted by movement and noise, or if you notice your class gets really distracted by movement and noise, this might be a good option for you because most of the time while you're with your small groups, the rest of your class is going to be sitting at their desk or somewhere around the room reading and responding to what they're reading. Now, a downside is, though, you know, if you have students who really struggle with reading or don't have strong word recognition skills, having them spend a large chunk of time independently reading might feel like a really big challenge for them, and they might not get the most out of their time. Also, sometimes with independent reading, it can be hard to, you know, monitor exactly what students are reading, what they're responding to. So it does require some creative management on the teacher's part. But again, it's also a really good option and very effective. Another option is doing teacher-assigned tasks. And so, you know, basically rather than committing to either centers or independent reading, you are just going to decide every day what specific assignment or task or activity do my students need to engage in in order to grow as readers. And so maybe one day you're having them read a passage or an article and complete a graphic organizer. Maybe another day they are doing a word study sort, an activity, you know, that's related to vocabulary words you are learning. And maybe another day they are answering comprehension questions and summarizing a shared read aloud text. So, so much flexibility with these. And I think the flexibility of using teacher assigned tasks really is a benefit because you get to have the freedom to adjust their independent practice to whatever it is you need to focus on. So you're going to give an assignment and while the majority of your class is working on it, you're going to pull a small group. 
Now, a downside is because you're using this time to pull a small group, not every single student in your class is going to get to complete the specific activity. So if it is something that you think is really essential, keep in mind that the four or five students at your small group are not actually completing this assignment and they either will have to complete it later or you'll have to give them a pass or, you know, whatever it is. So that can be tricky. And then also the other downside is, you know, because more than likely your small group lessons are all going to take around the same amount of time, 15-ish minutes, you need to make sure that whatever assignment you are giving to your students can be completed in that time frame. So you, you know, kind of have to think sometimes word study activities can be executed a little bit quicker than reading and responding activities. And so you kind of have to think about, okay, how much time do my students have to complete this? What happens if they finish early? What happens if they don't finish? So it just requires, again, some creative management on the teacher's part, but they really all require some creative management. But this could also be an effective option. Just know that you have options. And the other thing to think about is that you can do a little mixing and matching or a combination of these three. You know, you could give your students a teacher assigned task and then let them know if they finish early they can read a self-selected independent reading task. Or you could have your students read independently for 15 minutes while you pull one small group, and then they could do a 15-minute center rotation while you pull your second small group. So you really have options. And, you know, I think the important thing is that you want to think of this time not necessarily as busy work for the rest of your class, so that way you can pull small groups, Because, you know, obviously small groups are important, but so is the time that students are engaged in the activities while you are pulling small groups. And so you just want to spend some time and thoughtfully consider how can you set up and structure this time to support all students' reading growth. And here are a couple things that you might want to consider when you're sort of figuring out how to use this time. First of all, you want to make sure that it is going to be a sustainable structure for both you and your students. So consider how easy is it for you to plan, you know, this time every day, every week? Is it something that requires you to find new materials, you know, new texts? Are you having to constantly update center rotation activities? I also think it's important to consider, does this structure lend itself to all of the reading skills and objectives you need to teach? Are you able to hit on things like word recognition, language comprehension, and everything that's included in your state standards list? And then also consider, can this structure or can you use this structure in a way that is going to benefit and keep all students engaged and experiencing success? So just be really reflective on how you choose to use this time and kind of consider, is it going to work for your students and for the content that you need to teach? Now, one of the things that can be really helpful when you are thinking about how to keep the rest of your students engaged is using what I like to refer to as high-impact literacy routines. And I've talked about these on the podcast in the past, but if you have not heard me talk about literacy routines before, go check out episode number 78, where I talk about literacy routines for an engaging end of year. But honestly, it's literacy routines for an engaging all time of the year. And basically, a literacy routine is anything that has a clear set of steps or actions for your students to take, and these steps can be repeated. So something like word of the day or poem of the week. Activities like this can be really great to have students work on, whether it's a literacy center or a teacher-assigned task, because your students are going to know how to execute the activity without a lot of support, direction, or guidance from you, which means they're going to be independent and successful. And meanwhile, you get to pull small groups. This step was kind of the longest because it requires the most sort of like thought work and planning on the teacher's part. So 
Hopefully now you kind of have an idea of how you can set up and structure this time. But just because you have your structure figured out does not mean that you are necessarily in the clear. So the third thing you really need to do, and honestly, this one might be the most important, you need to train your students. Once you've decided on how you're going to structure your small group time for the rest of your class, you then need to make a plan for how you're going to train them. And no matter what option you choose, whether it is centers and workstations, independent reading, or teacher-assigned tasks, you have to train your students. And honestly, this might be one of the biggest mistakes I have seen teachers make over the many years that I worked as a literacy coach as well as an assistant principal. And truthfully, this was a mistake that I made for several years when I first started teaching. In full disclosure, and I've mentioned this before, my first year, I did not start small groups until November. But after that, I knew how important they were. And so I would want to jump right into them as soon as the year started. And I would often, you know, just jump right into a center rotation or independent reading And I wanted to get started with them, you know, like the second week of school. And so I would explain what my students were supposed to do and I would show them and I would model to them what it would look like, but I never let them practice on their own or give them feedback, you know, which means ultimately they were not successful. We did not take enough time to actually practice how to be independent during our small group time. And so even if my students could do it, you know, one or two times, They did not have a strong enough understanding of how all the centers worked or what our transitions looked like or, you know, just what to do if they finished early. And because we never practiced and covered all of those things, eventually my small group time just became hectic and chaotic. My small groups were interrupted. It was noisy. I had students that were off task. And, you know, eventually I figured out that if I could slow down to speed up, I'm sure you've heard that phrase before, and it is so entirely true. But once I realized that if I slow down and really take the time to properly train and teach my students everything that they might encounter or need to know to be independent during this small group time, then we could really be successful. And, you know, you want your students to be independent. You want them to be engaged. You want them to be successful. So that way you can work with small groups. And that's not going to happen after just one quick introduction or after the first week of school. It really does take time. So channel or embrace or just commit to the idea of you are going to slow down in order to speed up so that way you can have a successful small group time. So when you're thinking about training your students, there's really four things that you want to consider doing. First of all, you want to get really crystal clear on all of your expectations. And this might be something that you want to just brainstorm and do a brain dump and think about what do you want And maybe not even necessarily what do you want, but what do you and your students need to have in the environment in order to make small group time successful? So think about how much movement is acceptable. Think about the volume level of your students. Think about access to materials. Can students sharpen pencils? Can they get paper? Can they get books? You know, what do students do if they have a question? What do they do if they finish early? What if they don't finish their center activity or their assignment in the allotted time? You know, really try to think through everything And I think sometimes we expect our students to read our minds and we expect them to know what's expected of them because, you know, we think it's obvious, right? They shouldn't be moving or they shouldn't be talking. But just remind yourself, you're working with people and little people and they don't always know exactly what's in your mind. So if you can get crystal clear on your expectations, it's going to be easier for you to communicate that to your students. Then the next thing you want to do is no matter how you set up the structure, you want to slowly build your students' stamina. So whether it is independent reading, workstations, or teacher-assigned tasks, 
slowly build up their stamina and their ability to work independently. So this means if you're using centers and workstations, you are going to introduce just one center activity at a time. You're going to introduce it whole group, and you're going to let students practice this one activity until they master it. And then you're going to introduce another one whole group, and you're going to practice it. And now you have two activities that can go in your center rotation. And then you're going to introduce a third and just so on and so on. You know, if you're doing independent reading, you're going to start with just five to seven minutes. And every day you're going to add 30 seconds to a minute until your students reach your end goal. If you're assigning teacher-specific assignments, think about the length and sort of the cognitive demand it is requiring of your students. Have that first assignment be something short and something that they can complete with confidence without questions. You know, don't give them a three-page passage with 15 questions. Start small and build. And oftentimes we think, okay, well, if I give them more, it's going to take them longer to complete and I'll have more time to work with small groups. But if you're giving them such, you know, big, long assignments that are have a lot of steps or require a lot of things, you know, if students are never able to finish something that you give them, they're going to be frustrated because they're just going to feel like I'm never able to get it done or complete an assignment. And if it has so many steps that they can't remember it all and they don't, you know, they forget what comes next, they're not going to enjoy the independent time because they don't feel like they understand what's going on. So remind yourself that you want your students to feel confident that they can work independently and know exactly what it is that they are supposed to do. The other thing that you need to do is make sure you practice, 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 and then practice some more. And I know teachers are usually really eager to get started with small groups. And oftentimes schools are also saying, you know, you have to have your small groups up and running by a certain week. And I think this is great. But again, if you rush the training process, then you're going to risk having students not really be fully prepared for this independent work. So I typically suggest taking one entire month of school to train your students before you begin to pull small groups. So practice, 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 practice transitions, practice whether it's independent reading centers. Have your students do the whole thing without you even being available to ask questions. Finally, you want to make sure that you are providing feedback to your students. So, you know, both positive and constructive feedback. So whatever your expectations are, come back to that and say, I love the volume level that we had today, or we had a little too much movement today. Tomorrow we need to, you know, stay in our seats a little bit more or whatever it is. You know, you want to give them feedback so that way they know if they aren't fully meeting the expectations. I think too often at the start of the year, we let small little habits slide because we think it's not a big deal. But if we let those habits slide at the start of the year, they can quickly become bigger deals. Okay, the fourth thing you need to do then is create a visual to communicate your expectations while you are actually pulling small groups. So obviously, in addition to clearly communicating and practicing your expectations, you also want to think about, you know, what visual cues and displays are gonna be available during the small group time So that way, in case a student does forget or can't remember, they have something that is basically telling them what to do. You know, you want to make sure that you are giving students something that they can reference that is hopefully going to answer a question that they have. So that way you don't have to. You know, this visual could include specific details about the assignment or the center rotation. It could also include your behavioral expectations related to volume and how much movement is allowed in the classroom or, you know, what materials they're able to do. So a couple things that you might want to consider using or creating is an essential agreements poster that you have all of your students signed. And this is where you guys brainstorm and come up with this list of during small group time, this is what we will do. You might want to have a slide that you put on your small group that has the details of your teacher assigned task. You know, read this passage, answer these questions. If you finish early, you can do. 
whatever it is. You might want to have a poster, a chart, a slide, a pocket chart that shows your center rotation along with who is in what group so students know who they're working with and what activity they're doing. And maybe you want to have like a may do, must do, might not do, you know, choice board to let students know what their options are during this time. But you also might want to consider some other visual cues that are going to communicate expectations. Something like you might want to wear a special hat or a pair of silly glasses during your small group lessons. And this would really let students know that they should not interrupt you when you are wearing your special hat. You might also want to play classical music very quietly during your small group time because this would be a cue to students that they are working independently and that you are with a group and unavailable to help them. You might also want to have just like a signal, like a bell or a ringtone or something that you play at the start of your small group lesson and again at the end of your small group lesson so students know that that time is really important and you're unavailable. You also might want to use a cue, something like dimming the lights or turning the lights on and off when it's time to transition. So just some sort of visual cue that is going to remind students of the expectation. And then we are on to step number five. And if you have done all of these things, then you are ready to begin pulling your small groups because the rest of your students should be ready to be independent. They know their expectations. They understand what they're supposed to be doing. And so you can begin pulling small groups. But (laughs) remind yourself that throughout the year, you are going to need to stop and provide corrective feedback as needed. You know, throughout the year, even if your students are fully trained and even if they know exactly what is expected of them, you are still going to have to provide feedback and readjust throughout the year. One thing that I think can be helpful is to do a regular reflection of your small group time. So at the end of your small group lesson, You know, you can ask students to share as a class, what is one thing that went really well and what is one thing we need to improve upon? If your students are used to every single day or every single week reflecting on what is going well and what they need to work on, you're going to have that opportunity to provide that corrective feedback. You could also consider incorporating some sort of whole class reward or incentive that everyone is working towards to help encourage on-task behavior during small group time. So that way, it's just something that you're continually coming back to the expectations and the behavior that you need to see during during this time. But I think, you know, remember that you are working with kids. And at some point during the year, you are going to be out of the honeymoon phase. And at some point during the year, you are going to be having a bad day. And your students might be having an off day. And the reality of it is, is that your small group time is not going to go according to plan. And that's okay. You know, come back to these five steps if you need to readjust. Maybe you need to adjust how you are structuring your time. Maybe you need to adjust how much time you're spending on small groups. Maybe you're not spending enough time. Maybe you're spending too much time. Maybe the tasks that you're giving your students take too long or don't take enough time. You know, maybe you need to practice some expectations or bring in a new visual cue. Whatever it is, just know that if you follow, you know, this sort of like framework and these guidelines and constantly reflect and reassess, you will experience small group success this year. Just know that even if you prepare your entire class and for a couple weeks, they are perfectly well-behaved so you can pull small groups, it's not gonna be perfect the entire year. And that's just part of teaching, but you can create a system and structure that will allow your students to be independent and engaged while you pull small groups. So to recap, here are the five things that you can do to set up your classroom for small group success. First of all, have a plan for how much time you wanna spend teaching small groups. Think time and frequency. The second thing you're to do is create a plan for what the rest of your class is going to be doing. So think about how you want to structure this time so that way you have time to work with students. You want to make sure you take time to actually train your students and practice the activities and tasks they're going to be doing independently. 
You want to make sure that you have visual displays and queuing systems in place to communicate the expectations while you are teaching your small groups. And then you want to make sure that you consistently reflect and provide corrective feedback throughout the year. So I hope that you are feeling just prepared and excited for small groups this next year. Of course, I am wishing you just some stellar success when it comes to teaching small groups this next year. And I'm going to be talking about this a little bit later on in one of our episodes this month. But if you want a super easy structure and framework for how you can set up and manage your small groups, I have, I call it the 4T framework. And it's just a really easy way for you to manage the time within your small group lesson. And it can work for pretty much every objective. So I have a small group planning guide that you can check out. You can grab that at stellarteacher.com backslash small dash group dash guide. And we will link to that in the show notes if you want to check it out. And I hope you will join me next week because we are going to be talking all about how you can use your small group time to support students in upper elementary who still struggle with reading. And that is going to be a really great episode. And I hope to see you back here next week. Have a wonderful week, friends. Thanks so much for tuning in to the Stellar Teacher Podcast. If you enjoyed today's episode and are finding value in this podcast, It would mean the world to me if you would follow along and leave a five-star positive review. This helps me spread the word to more and more teachers just like you. And don't forget to join me over on Instagram at The Stellar Teacher Company. You can always find the links and resources from this episode in the show notes at stellarteacher.com. I'll see you back here next week.